start with the end in mind first. Really think about what you want to accomplish, where you see yourself. Do you want to exit? Do you want to sell this? Do you want to grow an amazing team? Do you want multiple locations? Think about the long term first and then use that as a filter for every decision you make as you scale and grow. Welcome to season four of B3 Boss Babies in Bottles. I am your host, Jessica with a Y. Can you believe it is going to be four seasons of B3? Make sure to sit back, relax with your favorite cocktail or drink, and enjoy this episode. Hey ladies, welcome to today's episode of Boss Babies in Bottles. Today I'm joined by the amazing Sierra Stockland. Thank you so much for joining us, Sierra. Hey, how are you? doing well, cannot complain. And just so you ladies know, Sierra has owned and operated businesses since she was 14. Uh, She's seriously a serial entrepreneur, has business mindset and tenacity um, since she led and to open up her first store called Mamma Mia, a high-end maternity store located in North Dakota in 2006. Shortly after, she really just developed and opened up a company called Mode, which is a designer outlet store adjacent to Mamma Mia. And in 2008, she consolidated the two concepts into Mode and she expanded the concept into an established franchise business. So most recently, though, she's really created and built the and ultimately sold a company called QTB Box, uh, which is a wholesale subscription box for boutique owners. So that's pretty cool. So thanks for joining us, Sierra. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. I'm super excited to dive in. I just kind of wanted you to first tell us about yourself and kind of go from there. Yeah, and I'll make it brief because there's a lot to tell. I know. <laughs> you have a lot of a <laughs> lots of crazy, off. lots of yeah. crazy. Um, yeah, so I'm a third generation entrepreneur from North Dakota, about as cold as you can possibly get in the states here. Yeah, um, where I'm Miami based, so I'm just like North Dakota. What's You're like, that? who would do that? I know why. Why? <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So we, I actually live about an hour south of Canada right now. I okay. grew up a little bit farther south in North. Dakota, but my grandpa, my dad owned small businesses. So I was always around small business. Like you mentioned, I launched my first business when I was 14. I've always been someone that, you know, looks for opportunity and how can I solve a problem? How can I create value out of something? And so I launched that one, um, built in and um, grew an acting company for students. And then after we got married, I had a couple little people. I was like, you know what? I don't want to do the nights (laughs) and weekends anymore. Let's get out of nonprofit. Let's go into retail, right? Because that's any better. Now I do nights, weekends and holidays, but we launched our retail store and then built that and grew it. And then through that built a subscription box for boutique owners. And now I just work with retailers, coaching them on building profitable businesses. So it's been a journey. It has been quite a journey, but it sounds like you found your niche. Yeah. I love it. I really, really love what I'm doing. That's awesome. That's, that's what I love to hear from all entrepreneurs. I'm also serial entrepreneur. So I just can finally say, I think I found what I love. I've been able to mix my business, my creative, and I really can't complain. So yes. what are some, what are three of the things someone should do if they're looking to kind of scale their business? Cause I think as business owners, we all kind of get to that point at some point in time. So right. what, what should we be doing? Yeah. I like to always say, start with the end in mind first, really think about what you want to accomplish, where you see yourself. Do you want to exit? Do you want to sell this? Do you want to grow an amazing team? Do you want multiple locations? Think about the long-term 
first and then use that as a filter for every decision you make as you scale and grow. Because if we just live in the moment of building our business, like, you know, oh, I don't know, this sounds like a great opportunity. I could open another location, but it doesn't fit into our long-term plan. We can end up all over the place, wasting lots of time, lots of money. But if we start with the end in mind, it really gives us kind of those guardrails. So I would say that first, second, yeah. know and your numbers. It's weird though, because a lot of people say that they're like, when you start a business, they're like, what's your exit strategy? And right. a lot of people are like, wait a minute, I'm just starting this business. What do you mean? You want me to think of an exit strategy, but it's true. It's not necessarily yes. an exit, but where do you see it going? Yes. Yeah. So when someone asks you that, don't think like, I don't want to ever sell it. I want to keep it forever. Great. But exit could mean your kids take it over one day. It mm-hmm. could mean that you bring in a partner. So think about that when you start. Yeah, I agree. hundred yeah. percent. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but number two, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Number two, know your numbers. This is something I did not do well from the beginning. Know your numbers, even though they're scary. And as entrepreneurs, we don't like to mess with the numbers. You have to know your numbers. Super important. And that means different things to different people, you know, but I think even for me personally, at this stage of where I'm at, I used to do my numbers and everything myself. And now I have a company that does it for me. Yeah. And it's an easy review process, but it's good to know where you are. And you can see every month, every quarter, every year. Yes. So you don't have to do it yourself, I think is... Yes. You don't have to do it yourself, but you need to know how to look at those numbers when they come in. So even if you never want to do your bookkeeping, cool, get someone to do it for you. But when they give you those reports every month, teach yourself how to read them. What are the numbers telling me? What's the story that it's telling me about my business? And if you get a good good bookkeeper, they should do that with you at least the first time or two so that then you can do it yourself. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. All right. Number three. Number three, I would say really know yourself. This is also something I did not do well from the beginning, you know, because we have to wear all the hats and do all the things. And there is a time and a place for that. But along that journey, really get to know what your superpower is. If I could just do this one thing in my business and I know it would make it successful and profitable and I would love it with a passion, what would that be? And then work your way towards that. So as you start to bring people in, don't just fill seats, bring people in with intention that can take over those pieces that are not your superpowers, that you're not super good at, that you don't have a passion for. I think learning to identify that from the beginning is important too. Yeah. I, I think self-awareness is good all around. Um, yes, always. <laughs> um, and I talk about, I feel like I talk about self-awareness a lot because it, it's so, it's crazy to think that a lot of people are just not self-aware. I think a lot of I know. the thing is self-awareness. Like, like, it's okay. I know that I'm not good at X, Y, and Z, but I know that, you know, yeah. so, you know. And what yeah. am I good at? And where can I spend more of my time? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I hate the social media part of my business. And luckily for me, I have a sister and a team that love it. Um, Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. I'm I'm with that. But self-awareness all around, but definitely if you have a business for sure. So why do you need confidence before turning a profit? Yeah, that's such a good question. You know, I think as small business owners, we go into business because we love a thing that we want to turn into value, right? We love helping women dress beautifully. So we open a store. We love um, helping people prepare for their future. So we open an insurance agency. We like houses. So we help people with real estate, right? So there's a reason that we start our own small business, but then we aren't confident in the pieces that we're not passionate about. And when we're not confident, in like the numbers or building a team or something like that, it's really hard to build a profitable business because we're always focused on the stuff that we love 
instead of the stuff that we love plus what's necessary. And you can't build profit if you don't have the whole, like the holistic view in mind. I get that. That makes a lot of sense. I was like, when I saw that, I was like, we how? why do you need confidence to turn a profit? <laughs> yeah. You know, so many of us sit and we're like, we're confident when it comes to maybe we, okay, I'm in the boutique world. So we're going to use it for an illustration. Yeah. I can dress someone beautifully. I can make them feel comfortable in their body. I know what to buy. I know how to merchandise, but I don't know how to fire someone if they're not performing or they're stealing from me. And so I'm just not going to do it. Like, I'm just going to let them go. Right. Or I'm not confident when it comes to bringing in new vendors. I'm just going to stick with who I know because that's comfortable for me. And so we miss out on so much opportunity instead of saying, okay, if I'm not confident in this area, who could I bring on board as a mentor or a coach to help me? Where could I learn? How could I put myself in a room of people smarter than me that can give me the confidence mm-hmm. because it's my it's my obligation as a business owner to be confident in every area of running my business. Of course. And I think, you know, COVID was a huge awakening for a lot of businesses right. to go back to doing the things that they never had to do or hadn't done in a long time. Yes. Yep. And they're like, whoa, geez, what's going on? <laughs> Ooh, my, well, my husband had to take over like payroll and billing and all that stuff. And he's like, this is terrible. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. well, that's, that's what it is. That's part of the gig. Yep. Part of the gig. And so, uh, you know, COVID I think was a, was a good realization. And a lot of people were even able to open up their own businesses during COVID, which I thought absolutely was cool. or pivot and find pivot. now find themselves in a, in an area that's like flourishing that they never would have chosen if they wouldn't have been pushed into that. Yeah, I agree. Um, so that's, that's awesome to see too. So how do you avoid failing and you put failing in quotes here. So how do, yeah. how do we avoid failing <laughs> in quotes? So I put it in quotes because I don't believe we fail. Okay. I think the only failure that comes is if we choose not to learn a lesson from what didn't turn out as we had planned. Okay. So I love John Maxwell says, sometimes you win and sometimes you learn, learn. not lose, you learn. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so we don't avoid the roller coaster. Entrepreneurship is like this. It is a roller coaster ups, there's highs, there's lows. We're not going to avoid that. It is what it is. But when we get to those lows, how can we teach ourselves to look around us, to be introspective, to ask really good questions? What can I learn from this? How could I do it differently? What am I missing? Where could I improve? We can avoid failing in quotation marks if we choose to always learn a lesson from everything. I figured that's the direction you were going to go in. Yeah, I'm all about it. Yeah. (laughs) Love me some John Maxwell. That's good. So why should a small business owner really concentrate on if they would like to build more? Like what? I'm sorry. What should we like small businesses like myself kind of focus on if they're trying to just make more profit in their business? Oh, it's the numbers again. It's just the numbers. And when I say the numbers, people are like, okay, Sierra, what numbers, what numbers? So I like to look at the information that we have in our business. Um, Working with boutique owners, I tell them, okay, what's your average ticket? When someone comes in and purchases from you on average, how much are they spending? When you have 10 people come into your store, how many of them are making a purchase? Those are the numbers I'm talking about. Thinking about within your industry, in your business, what are those key performance indicators or data points that if you understand them and you start to focus on them, you can improve. So as an example, average ticket, let's say our average ticket right now is $45 and we're doing a hundred of those every single month. If we could increase that average ticket to $55 and do just the same amount, same amount of people coming in, we would increase our sales by $1,000. So that's just focusing on 
the numbers to increase profitability. And we can't focus, if we don't know what to look at, we can't improve. Then we just flounder. Yeah. So it's understanding, um, you know, we, we call it average order, but right. Yeah. Your average order or increasing your traffic, right? Right. Yeah. When you increase your traffic, you lower your average order. So you have to play with these things and understand how you do this. So I like that. I think for, you know, myself, obviously as a wedding planner, my industry is a little bit different, but you know, I need, I know where my leads come from and how much and right. how qualified they are. So yep. understanding that, and that takes a lot of work on the back end to have this list of where everything came from and, and how it happens, but and then of course taking in my in my account, right? Advertising into cost. So does it work? Does it make sense for me to pay for this advertising to get these leads? So right. But now you know what to look at, so then you know where to improve or spend your time, energy, money. How can you simplify your business to build more profit? Yeah. So simplifying this kind of goes back to what I mentioned, like really knowing what you're good at, what you're not good at. Stop trying to be everything to everyone. Stop trying to be all the people stop trying to be, you know, you might see this business down the street and you look at her and you're like, Oh my goodness, she's so good at social media. I had an example. I was working with a a boutique client and I do audits. So I'll look at everything and then give them ideas on how to become more profitable. And in her questionnaire, she wrote, Oh, I'm just not good at social. And I haven't even started Instagram. I haven't started TikToks yet. I know I need to work on it. And I said, you don't, Nope, you don't. If your customers don't live on TikTok and they're not spending time on Instagram, why would you divert your time, energy, and put it into that? Why don't you focus on where your customers are hanging out, where they are spending time, which is on Facebook? So let's just hone in on Facebook. So we need to learn to simplify what we're doing instead of just continuing to add all this stuff, thinking that's the magic bullet. A lot of times it's just simplifying it down and then getting really good at one or two or three things. I think that's a huge thing is a lot of people, instead of getting focused in, in, in their little niche of where they should be, they get caught up in, in the social media because we all do. Yep. You know what I mean? We all do. And so seeing, I guess, yes, what, what gives me the most profit? And then we focus on that instead. Yes. Back to knowing your numbers though. <laughs> yeah, it does. Oh, I know. Why do we keep coming back to that ugly word? <laughs> all signs point to know your numbers. <laughs> right? Uh, that's awesome. All right. So tell me more about this 21 day to simplify your business model that you got going. Yeah. So a lot of times I think we get really overwhelmed. Like, where do we even start? I don't even know where to start. So I'm just going to keep doing what I've always done because that's comfortable. And so I just took 21 different simple ways that you could just implement something new, a new process, eliminate something. So for instance, um, like how do you simply start having a better day, right? It's by taking one step, five minutes in the morning, simple, super simple. Just do that. Do it consistently, make that a routine, or maybe you're a night owl. Okay. So then how do you simply, um, you know, make your evenings more productive. You do this one or this two thing, these two things. I love the book Atomic Habits. And he talks so much about well, if one you want to make a habit, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. You have to make habits easy. Otherwise we don't, if, if habits are hard, we're not going to stick with them. Agreed. So 21 days is just super simple. One thing every single day, just take it and make it into a routine. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I read the book or uh, I, I don't know if it was that one, but 21 days to make a habit. So you just have to kind of push through. And sometimes it does yep. take that even like, um, you know, when you first go back to the gym or something, you know, that first right? week, the second week is okay. And then by the third week, you're like, I got this, I can do this. Right? <laughs> Um, so yeah, I like everything else, you know, it's, it's taking the right amount of time to make it part of your daily life. Yes. And start small. Don't try yeah. to do it all at once. That's one true simple too. thing. Yeah. yeah. One simple thing. And I think that also, you know, has to do a lot with, um, 
you know, I hear a lot of people with dieting versus lifestyle changes. And that's, that's really what that comes down to. It's not dieting. It's how can you make a lifestyle change? How yes. Can you cut, you know, a little bit of soda, you know, like, well, and that's a big thing. Cause I feel like everyone drinks. So I only drink water, water and wine. I'm like, Jesus, that's what I like to tell. Yeah. People. <laughs> I'm like water. I got to cut my wine. That's what I got to cut. Um, so, anyways, so I'm like, okay, so how can we cut, you know, just a little bit here? How can we cut just a little bit there? You know, instead of eating the whole plate, can we half a plate? You know, like, right. Yeah. Right. Don't try to just do it all. Cause then it doesn't stick. It doesn't stick. Exactly. Doing things cold turkey sometimes don't work. It's lifestyle changes that little, yes. little. Um, love that. So profit first for retail. Let's talk a little bit about that. What do you mean? Yeah. So a lot of people are familiar with profit first. It can be pretty yes. overwhelming. Open up all the checking accounts, transfer money all around, save, pay yourself, all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I take profit first. And of course, cause I love to simplify things down, just make it really simple and easy for retailers or inventory based businesses to use it. So the one thing that's interesting with inventory is that we have that cost of goods in there, right? So we have our sales and then what it costs to make those sales. How much did the, those jeans cost us or those shoes cost us? So we have to account for that in our profit first and how we transfer and set up our accounts and stuff. So that's what I do um, with the profit first. I'm a certified coach. I just work with um, inventory-based businesses on taking the profit first model and making it really simple, but accounting for the inventory and where that plays in. Yeah. So it's not just obviously what your, what your final sale, I, what you're saying boutique wise, of course, for retail, it's not just what you guys show. Like you come home, it's minusing your expenses. Yes. Yes. Cause yeah, you can have a million dollar boutique and be losing a ton of money and, and you can have a $5,000 a month boutique and be just fine. Yeah. It's all about the margin, what that inventory costs you, you have to understand that piece of it. Yeah. And that's, and that's with every business, you know, you have to minus your expenses. You have to see where everything's coming and you have to be smart. Yep. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so anything else that we did not cover that you think would be great for our listeners? I think this was a speed session. I know. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think we should tell them that they need to understand their numbers or do you think that's that's all good? Yeah. All (laughs) in those points and knowing your numbers. Great. All right, guys. Spend the rest of this podcast. I'm going to put meditation music and please figure out your numbers. Okay, That's right. <laughs> Can you imagine how it'd be weird? All right. <laughs> but obviously this wouldn't be the Boss Babies and Bottles podcast though, Sierra, if I did not ask you, what is your favorite drink or bottle? Well, I just started drinking tart cherry juice. I don't even know. What, what is this? Great <laughs> I didn't even know. <laughs> okay. So I'm training for an Ironman. Is this Iron a thing or is this like No, a- no, no. Okay. No, I'm training for an Ironman. So it's a oh. lot of biking, lots of running, lots of swimming, all the things that I'm sore. So I reached out to this gal, registered dietitian. I'm like, do you know of anything that I could take that would just help with all the sore stuff? And she's like, tart cherry juice. So it's actually really good. So I just drink a little bit after a workout. And the amino acids and stuff are just good for your body. So that's my newest drink. Otherwise, I just drink a lot of water too, just like you, a lot of water. And I do love my wine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You said like, oh, it's actually really good. I'm like, that actually kind of turned me off. I'm like, is it really good? Or are you just telling me it's good? No, I would say it's good. It's good. If you like fruit juice, it's good. It's like a stronger. <laughs> I'm still I'm not, not convincing you. I'm not convinced. No, <laughs> it is. T- it is a little tart. It's not awful. <laughs> okay. And we'll leave it. None at of that. the words that you've put together have actually convinced me to try this yet, but maybe I could because I'm sore. <laughs> well, it, I don't know. It's supposed to help. It's my mom. We used to have, um, 
uh, grapevines growing up and she would make homemade grape juice. And unless she put a ton of sugar in it, it was tart. That's what it reminds me of. It's just like a homemade kind of juice where it doesn't have all the sugar and stuff that all the fake cons from concentrate. She had grapevines so. and she made juice with it and not wine in North Dakota. Well, we only had one big long one along our fence. Yeah, no, we wouldn't have had enough to make wine, but she'd do some grape juice and then jelly and stuff every fall. That's so nice. Yeah. Good memories. Yeah, that is. That does sound nice. Well, thank you, Sierra, so much for joining me today. I truly appreciate it for sure. Thank you. Business 101. Know your numbers, basically. Yes, basically that. Basically that. Um, And if you need help with that, I'll help you know your numbers. It's all good. We're definitely (laughs) going to connect Sierra to the links on this podcast. So make sure to check it out. Um, She's absolutely amazing at what she does. She definitely coaches just a ton of people and really knowing their numbers and knowing what to do, where to become more profitable within their business. So thank you again, Sierra, for joining me today. Thank you. I'll see you ladies on the next episode of B3. Talk to you soon. Hope you loved today's episode. Make sure to subscribe and review our podcast. But also connect with me on IG. We have one for the twins at canal.twins where I try to post everything I humanly can on there so to keep you guys updated. But also at EBJ events where I post everything wedding. I'll see you guys soon.